Welcome back to Dating What Went Wrong. I am your host, Rob Scow, the expert at failing at relationships. This is the show where we analyze dating quandaries and try to answer the age-old question, what the F? Today, I thought it was important to talk to the real dating experts, and that is married people. These are people that have leveled up from dating, adding a plus one to their party size and a negative one to their tolerance of petty bullshit. Specifically, what we're going to be talking about today is the difference in communication and relationship expectation between dating and marriage. To illustrate this point, this podcast. So I outline a general direction for every episode. It doesn't always go that way, but I do this because if I have a guest on the show that I've previously dated, I don't want to blindside them with a question that makes them uncomfortable. This podcast is a discussion, not an attack. So I sent this outline to my guests thinking, I did not ask enough questions. Then I got a response saying, essentially, that is a lot of questions. I've never thought about this this much. I'm concerned about you. This made me realize how important it is to do this episode. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guests. They're a lovely married couple that I've known for many, many years. Michael is a screenwriter and Steph works in finance. Welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. So... Getting, getting, diving right in. Mike, what has been your experience in dating? Not a lot. You started this show by saying you were going to talk to people who are experts in dating, and neither of us have dated since the year 2000. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think it's been, yeah, we've been together for 13 years now. Um, yeah. Wow. And, uh, married for almost six. Um, my experience with dating before, well, none of it was online. So it was before that, uh, before that trend at least. Um, and it was mostly kind of localized to, you know, I guess, um, friends of that I knew through friends. Um, you know, um, honestly, I, I honestly haven't had a lot of dates in my life, maybe 10. I but then there's something to be said about that because you've had, as long as, as long as I've known you, you've always had significant relationships. So I think that there's something to be said about that. He's yes. a serial monogamist. Yeah. Yeah. Serial monogamist. Yeah. I, I honestly, it's probably not even, t- it's probably, yeah. Do I have a problem? <laughs> is that a problem or a solution <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um yeah I, I i i definitely am a serial monogamist i would say i've had i had a relationship my first one was three years or two years nine months uh and then the next one was probably also close to three years although the last year was um a relationship um <laughs> It's usually uh, how it goes for you know relationships that are going to end. There's a there's a period of yeah at some times at some point she said something along the lines of um, I don't want to have to call you my boyfriend, but we could still blah blah blah. And of course, my you know young self and less self esteem and all. Whatever. I, I think I was I, like, I, sure, that sounds great. Yeah. No, but at the same time, I also, I mean, to go easy on myself, I also, you know, I, I don't know if I love, I guess I loved her in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, I want, I didn't want it to be over. So, of course. yeah. Um, so then, 
yeah, I, I think my marriage to Stephanie is my third relationship. Wow. And that's about you said ship, right? You didn't you didn't say shit <laughs> yeah. on that one, right? Just, just wanted to clarify. Yeah, no, it's a relationship. I mean, sometimes it can be a relationship, you know, and that's <laughs> the thing about it, is that uh it's there's no uh there's no black and white. But here's the thing, there was a period where you were dating Stephanie. Yes. That was well, that was Bumble, actually. It's giving me a notification. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to try that again for another take, or do you just want to keep that one? I think we need just to keep, keep that it. one. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a notification from Bumble. I have now put my phone But that's on good, silent. right? Isn't Bumble the one where you don't get to choose? So that means somebody no, chose that was, you. No, that was an ad from Bumble. Wasn't oh, even oh, oh, that, you're, that's them recruiting you. Yeah, that's, that's them saying, hey, now's a good time to get back in there. Uh, so... Um, Getting back to it, um, Mike, what was it like dating Stephanie in the beginning? You asked um, like you weren't there. That's true. Yeah, you asked like you weren't there. Literally. You, <laughs> you literally the... went on our first date with that us because you were date. like, you guys are getting burgers? Cool. <laughs> Let me get my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so dating Stephanie, I, we were living about uh, 60 miles apart at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in... Uh, Orange County. She was living in Los Angeles. Uh, and it was the first year out of college. And I would, I had just come out of my relationship and, um, I, we, Steph and I were friends already for a few years, but not like close friends. We were friends mostly through other people. Um, but I, you know, I was attracted to her definitely. And I, uh, I, thought she was a great person and so I I definitely pursued her and uh I you Rob were already mm-hmm. living in Los Angeles at the time and you mm-hmm. know the story that I but just to tell to your listeners I basically used your apartment to come up and used you <laughs> under the guise of um hey we can uh, write together uh mm-hmm. you know we used to be writing partners uh and uh <laughs> I, you know, while that was what I wanted to do, sure. what I really wanted to do was try to get closer to Stephanie. And Meanwhile, I thought he was super committed to his writing because it was like <laughs> every time I turned around, he was like, hey, I'm going to be up at my friend Rob's for a few days working on some scripts and some ideas. Maybe we can grab dinner. Maybe we could see a movie. Maybe we could all hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little no. did I know that you were super <laughs> frustrated with him because you thought that he was just using your apartment as a home base from which he could start dating. And I and I was right. And I, he was right. Yeah, <laughs> it was absolutely. Yeah, I, I, was, I guess I was the one that was. I guess I was the one in ignorant bliss. I mean, there, there was, a, I guess, a subconscious element to it as well. I wasn't completely, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to, you know. Anyways. Um, so, so aside from me being a potential obstacle or third wheel on your guys' date, were there any uh, challenges, red flags, things that you noticed in the beginning that uh, concern you? Mm. And she is here, so. Is this a question just for him, or do I get to answer? Too? Oh, you can answer too, but I just want to—I want to hear from him first. Well, I'm sure she has a lot of red flags. I'm oh. trying to think of mine. <laughs> well, you, you want to go, Stephanie, while uh, well, yeah. while he thinks of his red flags. <laughs> It's yeah. good. The longer he takes, the the longer the relationship will last. Do you? Do you? But yeah. By the by the way, how? I mean, no, do you I have enough you, time? I think you should finish. This is your narrative. <laughs> um, red, I'm going to get more wine. <laughs> red flags. Well, Stephanie is younger than me. Um, 
Although I don't know how much, actually I was getting out of a relationship that was, I was younger too. Um, there were, there weren't too many, there weren't too many red flags. I want I don't know, honestly, if there were, um, well, there was one, mm. but I don't know. Stephanie can, uh, have Rob cut this out. if She doesn't want it. Yeah. If, if it's a problem, we can always cut it out. And you know this as well. I do. Well, it's because she, I was her first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stephanie. Yes. It's very, very quiet. Um, I think the one red flag was that Stephanie was inexperienced in relationships. Um, I, actually, the other red flag is um, she comes from, and this was, uh, she comes from a divorced family. Um, whereas my parents uh, are still together and the other two girls that I dated, their parents were still together. And I do remember, I think she was hesitant actually to get in a relationship because of that. Perhaps if I'm remembering correctly, her dad was actually going through his second divorce at the time. What year was it? 2007. Yeah. Yes, you're right. So, Maybe that amount of that, but so yeah, those were the red flags. It wasn't uh, anything, but I, I didn't see it as an obstacle that wasn't something that somebody could get over. You know, I I came into it with she just my seemed parents like a, were divorced. My family was crazy. I wasn't Russian. I wasn't Jewish. <laughs> I wasn't Russian and Jewish. Those weren't red flags for me. Those were red flags for my mom. <laughs> maybe all the first time she saw stephanie she was like my baby oh my god um yeah so i guess those were the the ones but none of them gave me really any any pause in my that i can remember enough to be like whoa i need to be careful right so okay it. so we should revisit his statement, by the way, because me meeting his mother was how I learned that I was in a relationship with him. So, uh, huh, interesting. Really? <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> That's awkward. Um. <laughs> it's not the time to really do that. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, if, if I'm understanding this correctly, it sounds like that you saw some potential red flags, but not enough to actually stop you from moving forward and now looking back at those things do you think any of them were valid or do you feel that you know that they were still good red flags but not like you still feel the same basically i still feel the same i mean there was yeah they they were certainly good things to be aware of there's nothing wrong with awareness um you know just be mindful of kind of where you're coming from where the other person's coming from but uh, I've always come into relationships with an open mindset. And I always believed and still believe that people uh, can change. Mm-hmm. And that if I, my red flag turns out, if, if my concern about her turns out to be true, that there is, a, if she's willing, um, she, she would, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, work on that and, and, and change it. I, I can't change her, but so, uh, yeah, I came into it with a very open mind and, um, uh, also just excitement, just a lot of excitement. That's great. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's hear from Steph then. All right. So, um, what has been your experience in dating? Um, even less than Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why that's why when you ask when you ask me to be on your podcast about dating, I'm like the least qualified person to talk to about dating. Um, I've been with Michael since I was. I'm going to reveal my age if I do this, but I can't do the math right because. I'm in finance, but I can't do simple math, but I've been with Mike since I was 22, 23. Wow. Wow. So it's, you know, basically right after I graduated from college. Um, So it's, my window is is pretty small. Right. Um, So, you know, and so I guess here's another interesting thing. So I was not allowed, I was not permitted to date. It would have been unacceptable. To, I was, I was not permitted to date when I was in high school, hmm. um, which seems like a burden, but frankly, it, it wasn't. I was mm-hmm. so, I was so focused on school. I was so focused on, uh, you know, building a resume and positioning a career and doing all these other crazy things that I was not interested in dating for a very long time. In fact, in high school, I remember thinking, is something wrong with me? Because people were, you know, distracting themselves with all of this stuff with prom and dating and all of this other stuff. And I really didn't have interest in that. I had a really close group of of friends um, that I adored spending time with. And I was really focused on learning and trying to get into a good school and all of that. And so for a long time, I would say dating was on the back burner. I never also, really prioritized it. You had a leg up in not worrying about it because you went to an all-girls school. I did go to an all-girls school, mm. yeah. So if you wanted to isolate yourself from that sort of high school dating scene, it was really easy. Mm. Um, Were there lesbian activities going on in that all-girls school? No. <sighs> Wait, am I creepy saying that at my age? I am. Oh my god! You're one. You're creepy, and two. You're lucky that you're in the other room, or you would have been hit. <laughs> not I mean, that I condone domestic violence for all the viewers out there, uh, for listeners, not viewers. No television. Um, but so yeah, so I was I was pretty isolated from that whole world until I went to college, and then actually. The my first boyfriend I met the first day of college walking to like the invocation or what you know the sort of welcoming ceremony um, at my college. So it was um, I certainly you know dabbled in dating I would mm-hmm. say but never successful. I was I was very good my for my entire college career at finding unavailable guys, whether that was, Mm. you know, emotionally or actually, Mm -hmm. um, I was, I, I, I honed a expertise in that. And so I think the biggest challenge, uh, when I met Michael, which was actually through one of those unavailable guys, (laughs) but, um, when I met Michael is that we started, you know, we started hanging out as friends and it was, it was very easy and he was one of the kindest people I've ever met. And Mm. I was instantly sort of bonded to him and I had to reconcile. This is good for you to hear Rob. I had to reconcile in my head, the difference between the guy that I thought I was going to date Mm because historically I was really good at finding jocks and, Mm. you know, investment bankers and those types. But I had to reconcile kind of 
that person that was, you know, in some romantic comedy to the person in front of me who was not making it a challenge, who was completely available, who was, you know, who I would hang out with and he would text me the next morning and be like, what are you doing today? Mm. Which breaks every single rule of dating, right? Right. Except right. that, except that when it works, it doesn't. Like that's yeah. the catch of it all, right? Is mm -hmm. that when it works, there is no games and it's not hard. And mm -hmm. you're not wondering, oh, why is he doing that? This is he's coming on too strong. What does he want from me? It was just like, yeah, last night was a blast. I would like to have lunch today if I can squeeze it in. Yeah. It was just, it was just completely easy. Yeah. And, and I and remember telling people, even at the time, I remember telling people, I, I'm, I think I'm seeing this incredible guy and he's not at all what I expected, but, mm -hmm. but I think it's working. Yeah. I think that's, so, that's really wonderful. That's really beautiful, actually. He's so um, hot too. So hot. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Um, so, but, but going going back to you guys' previous point about feeling that you guys aren't an expert at this. So, the the reason why I would disagree is because you know I have a lot of conversations with uh, like single friends and other people that are in in relationships, but they they're not married, and they have so much to say about like, oh, this is the time to text that person. You know, oh, if they don't do it this way, it means this. And if you do it this way, it means that. Mm. And you guys don't have those questions. We're you, like, the only rules are there are no rules. Yeah, you, you <laughs> yeah. guys are like, you guys are actually almost freaked out by those questions because it doesn't make any sense to you. And I think yeah. that like, because my goal is to get married, that, that I need to learn more from people that are married because that, that is the end result. It's not even the end result to get a girlfriend. The end result is to be in a, in a marriage relationship. And so they, you know, I learn from the experts is, is what mm. I feel. So, well, look, this is something I have zero qualifications to, to speak <laughs> to, but it's, um, you know, I've, I've listened to people who do, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we are, we are wired to be tribal, right? Mm. And so we have this innate, for most of human history, the thing that, m that was most highly equated with your survival was your ability to affiliate yourself with other humans that were going to protect you and help you find food and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we're innately wired to want to be part of something and to be bonded with other people. And so there's something, there's something to that game you know, there's something to that dance that bonds you in, right? The idea of like, am I part of this? Are, are they going, is this person going to accept me? Are they not? And so you have these base instincts that kick in that will want you, that will make you want to be accepted, right? Mm -hmm. That will make you fight to be accepted. And I think, you know, from my personal experience with the dating of unavailable guys, it's really easy to fall into the trap of equating that with attraction. Interesting. Interesting. Right. With equating the desire, the desire to have somebody not reject you, the desire to have somebody accept you, to bring you in, to love you, to bring, you know, there's, there's certainly something about that, that dance back and forth that makes you want to keep fighting. So you're And I think you can, for the longest time, I equated that with, with romantic love and it's mm. not, yeah. you know, romantic love in a marriage is being completely undeserving of wanting, you know, of, of somebody inviting you in and getting invited in anyway. Mm. 
It's an interesting way to look at it. So if, if I'm going to kind of like break this down into um, my brain, which is about video games, hmm. um, you know, in, in, <laughs> Great. A, in a, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in a game, you get, when something's hard in a game, when something has a hard difficulty setting, you get excited when you, when you beat the challenge because, you know, you, you accomplish something. And do you feel that that is how people tend to approach dating? Is it like if, if something is hard, you think, oh, I got to do this challenge. And once I figure out the challenge, I'm going to get this sense of elation. Sure. When, it, when, it's, when it's complete. I'm, fo- I'm following you here. So, this would, yeah. so the equivalent would be, imagine that you're playing a game that mm-hmm. has a high challenge number and <laughs> you defeat it, thus earning, thusly earning the challenge number. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes in and says, hey, guess what? We rated that one artificially high because we wanted to trick you into playing the game. Mm. That game, you thought it was a seven, it's actually only a two. Mm. How so does that, that change how you feel about it? Yeah, that's, not as, I feel not like as that's fun. a lot of people's experience with relationships. Yeah, that's fine. So, so, so yeah. So the, the, the game, both in the game and the game is, is that challenge, but the result, which is what people experience in dating is what you're talking about. That final score that comes in. Right. Interesting. Okay. What do you and think, then, Mike? Hmm. You're being quiet. He's probably playing a game right now. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly trying to to dissect this analysis that you guys are t- discussing. He's Call of Duty right now. He's already he's already like, on. Uh... <laughs> Wait, what headset are you wearing? <laughs> um, <laughs> he is wearing his gaming headset. I am wearing my gaming headset. <laughs> I I don't have another headset. Stephanie has my other headset. In fact, um. Can you break that? I don't actually understand the analogy. <laughs> Sorry. The analogy, the analogy is that if you're playing a video game that has difficulty ratings, apparently, like there's if there, I get if there's video game chapters that have difficulty ratings, and you're playing one that has a high difficulty rating, you're going to feel more satisfied. You know, you're going to be more compelled to try to fight it. So I'm saying, what if it, what if something was rated, it was actually the difficulty was a two, but they put it as a seven. You're going to fight harder and you're going to keep going at it because you think it is harder. Okay, sure. How does this relate to relationships? We're talking about dating and the idea Did, that, f- the idea that people get addicted to the, to, people get addicted to the game aspect of it, right? That they think it's hard and they'll continue, they'll, they continue fighting because they think you're supposed to be fighting. Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's. And what then at the about. end, somebody's like, "It wasn't a seven; it was actually a two. Yeah. Okay. Well, that and, is. You know, it goes back to the. It goes back to the same thing you were saying that it's not supposed to be that hard. Relationships are challenging. It's it's certainly challenging to grow with a per with a complex dynamic person who has different you know who has goals and they're changing and they have families and they have jobs. That part is challenging, and that's true of romantic love. That's true of platonic love, mm-hmm. but it's not hard. Nothing has mm-hmm. ever been hard. Mm-hmm. No, it's not, it's not not in that sense. Um, not not hard to question my relationship. So, that has so, you, so, so what but, you're saying but, is the challenges of a relationship are not the same as the challenges that people talk about when they're talking about dating. Like, why can't this person text me back? Why? Like those, no, that's not the challenges of a relationship is when are they going to text me back? It's, it's not that at all. 
No, it's if she's not texting me back and I'm wondering why, I will ask her later why, flat yeah. out. Yeah. And if she has a problem it's not even telling that, me by that, the way. Well, if I'm well, not reply, if I'm not responding, you're gonna assume that I'm busy. Not yeah, that, it, not that, that it has anything to do with you. No, but but let's say that I don't assume that you're busy. Let's say that it's let's say that I let's let's even say that I have a suspicion. Let's just hypothetically that oh she's doing something that I'm mad at you. That's she's why mad I'm at me. Text. Right. Okay, she's mad at me. If I ask her that, and her response is anything but uh, a communication back to me that she's mad. If it's if we don't arrive at that uh, at a point where we can both talk about it, then I'm not with the person that I thought it was. Right. And but but that's never going to happen because I know that like our communication is is tuned very well mm-hmm. it, it well to, to an extent I'm, sh- I'm sure there's whatever there's i'm sure there's things that we don't realize that we don't tell each other or I, I i don't know but i'm not afraid to ask her and she's not afraid to tell me that's great that's 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 really what it is and even if she is if even if she's hesitant i'll tell you this i'll make sure to get it out of her <laughs> out of her because right. at the end of the day it's only we're we're either moving forward or we're stuck so mm-hmm. You know, um, so but well, I that's think- probably the evolution from dating to marriage, right? Is that you go from trying to sort of anticipate and account for somebody else's communication flaws to be like, oh, how do I fit into this person's world, right? Mm-hmm. How is this somebody who is going to be freaked out if I text them too soon or call them too right. soon? Is this somebody who's going to be freaked out if I say this or that? To marriage, which is where I actually want. Michael to call me out on my BS, right? Mm-hmm. Because he knows, right? Because he knows, he knows that he knows my flaws. He knows when I retreat the things that I cling to. Mm-hmm. And in the best case scenario, he's going to prevent me from using those crutches to destroy this relationship, to mm-hmm. destroy my, you know, all these other aspects of my life too. But, but, and to add to that, that was all figured out within the first few months. Sure. And that, that was like my clarifying point with this is that, you know, I, I think from a, a marriage point of view, it's very, it's very easy to talk about those things. But from a, when you guys were first dating point of view, like how long did it take to get to that point? Not long. And, I'll, and, and, and I think I know why, at least from mm-hmm. my perspective. Um, it's because I have never, ever in my life played games with you have to wait this many days to call, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I've always been honest. and okay that's a bad way to put it as far as i know i've always been forward with what i wanted and expected and i expected that from my partner as well so in rela- the relationships that have failed mm-hmm. in my life those long other long-term relationships um the other people i we just didn't match in mm-hmm. in that sense if the communication wasn't there if i wasn't able to be myself mm-hmm just didn't work out. And so it's for me, when you don't play that game, when you don't worry about those things, when you just, just be the, like, I'm a dork, just be the, the, the dork that I am. And if honestly, like, and, and if she, if she doesn't accept me, then that's not, there's, there's, what's the population of the earth? 7 billion. There's 3.5 billion other women out there. I don't <laughs> know. Like uh, it's, there's, it's not worth it. There are so many other things to worry about. Right. So, okay. So going with that, that 
that makes perfect sense. So you have this idea of, of what you're not going to tolerate and this idea of what is important. But how do you know that you're not setting up a limited expectation? Like, for example, someone could say, oh, I would never date a person that is this tall or I never date a person that wasn't of this religion. Like, how do you know, like, how do you navigate what's important and what is superficial? Well, that's, you have to figure that out. Okay. So through my relationships, the first one, um, she was a sweet girl, mm-hmm. but she wasn't driven. Mm. Um, and she, she was kind of lost. And, um, you know, she went through her own things, you know, but at the end of the day, um, I, I was, I felt like that I was, I wanted somebody that was more, um, that, that was more of a go-getter and that, that, um, you know, was just kind of more in tune with, um, I, I'm trying to, she, that's right. She, I was going to college. She wasn't going to college. Um, so we were kind of in different, we went different routes mm-hmm. and, and for me that was important. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted somebody more driven. So I, I did, I found a girl, uh, my next relationship that was definitely more driven, but guess what? She was not grounded. She was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, she wasn't honest. And I'm like, okay, so refined it more. And I remember making these decisions in the way that people make business decisions hmm. uh, that I wanted now somebody that was all those other things that I wanted before, um, you know, driven, but I wanted her to be grounded and, and kind of just knew what she wanted. And I found Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I approached to a large extent, I remember making those decisions, which is funny because that's not how I make decisions in business. And I'm not that great <laughs> in business decisions. And I've always struggled with it. So uh, I remember talking to people who are like, wow, you're good at relationships. I'm like, yeah, I, I am. But like, why can't I, uh, why can't I apply that to, to business? And, it's, and the people through, who I know that are good at business some of them are not good at relationships and they think the same way, but they just can't apply it to relationships. So there has to be some emotional aspect to it that mm-hmm. I feel safe or something. And I think maybe that was something that was given to me by my parents that I saw them struggle. I saw what they went through. Like my parents used to yell and scream at each other, but at the end of the day, they did love each other. They, it's, it was kind of like a sitcom, you know, mm-hmm. how, uh, like a family can just tear each other apart and just say the meanest things. But at the end of the day, at the end of each episode, <laughs> there was definitely a coming together and there was love. And I saw that all happening all the time, all the time. And I think that's what reinforced in me the idea that like, just because you have a fight doesn't mean that it's over. <laughs> in fact, the fight means a growth opportunity. <laughs> um, just because, you know, you don't see eye to eye, you know, that's a, commu- that's a communication opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if the other person doesn't want to reciprocate, um, well, then they're not the right person. Find the one that does. Hmm. How do you know when your preferences, and you've really fine-tuned your preferences enough? Um, I think it's just being in touch with your gut about it. I mean, you literally mm-hmm. have to, I think. I mean, you certainly know your preferences for video games. Yeah, but I think everything changes over time. Like even, even my preference in video games has changed over time. Like I've, as I've gotten older, I've 
gotten a lot more interested in, um, in, you know, stories that, that ask deeper questions that are more based around morality choices. And, you know, when I was younger, it was more just action. You know? Right. Okay. So you can perhaps find a person that uh, is open to growth. I made actually an interesting realization uh, recently. I was thinking about a past relationship I had. It, it, didn't, it didn't last very long, but it was someone that I was dating. And looking back on her, she was great in like, she, she was, she was smart. She was funny. She, um, she was very cute. Like we, uh, we, we cooked together. We went hiking together. We played tennis together. Like it was, it was just like a really great relationship, but I was so focused on this idea that I needed to be dating an artist, you know, someone that had more of that, that creative side. And she wasn't a very, why did you think that? I think, I, I, you know, I was thinking more about that. I think it because I wanted to elevate my own art is that I, I thought that being with another artist would, would help elevate so you that. Were, so you were trying to use her in a way to find something that, that was missing or that you and wanted, you wanted that, to expand in your life. And that was the key is I realized that my preference for this, for this person, or in this case, my preference for not this person was because I was missing something in my life that I was hoping my partner would be able to solve. And I realized that that had a huge impact on why it ended. Now, the specific way it kind of unfolded is she asked me how I felt about the relationship. And in wanting to be honest, I told her that I was, yeah, exactly. I told her that I was kind of on the fence, which, you know, at the time I thought that was a very honest answer. But thinking back, I was thinking it was a it was a mean answer. The worst, like, there's no way you can take "I'm on the fence" as yeah, that is a totally rational response. There's no way you don't interpret it as this person doesn't think I'm good enough. Yeah, and and sure enough, like I think it was just like a couple of days later that she said, "You know what? I'm on the fence too," and I've decided no. Mm. So yeah, I did not falter one bit for that. And looking back. I think about how, how sad it was that I didn't have, you know, the, uh, the right mental space to be able to, to realize that I was searching for a missing piece of myself. And, mm. and that's not a great foundation for, uh, for a lasting relationship. At least that's my opinion. Do you guys agree or disagree? That's, what's, what's the missing piece of yourself was the artist? Or? Not being good enough as an artist not being good enough as like an artist. wanting the elevation from another artist. I mean, I mean I've certainly considered, I, I certainly, so I'm a screenwriter. So mm-hmm. I, um, as probably most screenwriters or artists don't think I'm good enough as a mm-hmm. screenwriter. I don't, I have, I have never thought of Stephanie as, as being the answer to that, especially because she's in finance. So, but when, while what if I you have had these insecurities, if I, if like I had, I don't, I mean, I've had, okay, in the beginning, I had insecurities of not that I might not be good enough for Stephanie because as an artist, I'm not bringing enough money and she's in finance and she's around all these guys who are, you know, who are bringing in more bacon than I am, you know, and there was definitely a lot of insecurity about that, but it wasn't about my own art. 
I think so it might I, have been different for you though, right? Because you said before that the one of the things you were specifically looking for was somebody that was really driven, right? Who was and I remember in early on in dating, you were asking me questions about, you know, what motivated me with respect to my career? Why, you know, what what was why why was I going there? Why was I getting up in the morning? What did I want to see? And that was mm-hmm. something that was really important for you to understand was sort of my drive towards that. And I, I wonder in a way if the, because a creative person's career is so, so much more ephemeral, right? It's so, it, it's so hard to wrap your brain around that there was part of you that liked this sort of more linear trajectory of my career. I mean, I certainly have moments where I wish that my career had a ladder because there would be a direct path, yes, more linear path. Sure, and mine does, right? Just, I may, I'm, but I'm not I, saying that it doesn't require talent and drive and time and all of the other, all of right. that other stuff. But, but you know, it's certainly a lot easier to to wrap your brain around and to. But if you're saying that, around. but if you're saying that, my, part of my attraction to you, whether in the beginning or still, uh, is that you fulfill some desperate need in me or some desperate want in, in me wanting to have an easier path. That is a very subconscious thing that I, I'm not feeling that at all. Like, no, I, and huge. I don't think, I don't think it's the, to be fair, I don't think that there's any of this, like, I feel like I'm broken in this place and I'm going to find this other thing to complete me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as simple as the way that Rob was describing it, but I think there is, sort of these undertones of this is an area where I feel insecure and this other person feels more secure and they kind of bring me to the middle, right? Perhaps. Like a really, a really good relationship will make you a better person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, I think I'm really driven and career focused and all of that stuff. But on the flip side, you know, like Mike mentioned, I was from a, I was from a divorced household. I was from a, you know, a family that was very um, hesitant to show outward emotions and things of that regard. And Michael's family is the complete opposite. Like I Mm -hmm. joked earlier that I found out that I was dating him when meeting his mom because she wasn't even supposed to be there. We were just, we were going by her house to pick something up and then she ended up coming back early from something. (laughs) And she saw me and she was just like, oh, like, she's like, I just want to give you a hug. Is that okay? (laughs) Rob, you're Italian. You understand, right? It was like, like, I met this woman and within three seconds I was being hugged. This never happened in my family you know it was just there's such a commitment to warmth and to love and to kindness and and so you know do I think that being with Michael completes you know counters some flaw I have no that's a bad idea right? right you can't get people to fix you but do I think that Michael challenges me to be more outward in my emotions to be more giving in that sense absolutely so, so maybe that's the balance is that, you know, what I presented was kind of a, a, a black and white of like, you know, needing another person to essentially complete you or to satisfy that desire. But what you're saying is that there is value in someone that, that can, you know, in, in other ways improve, um, improve you as a person. But I think the difference comes down to, you know, it, is, 
are, is your relationship being strengthened by this other person? Is your, is your ability as a person being strengthened by this other person? Or are you using them as a means to an end to achieve a result that you didn't have before? That maybe I mean, that's the distinction. Sure. I mean, I think it's layered, right? So mm -hmm. you were saying that you felt like you were driven to find somebody who was in a creative industry mm -hmm. because you wanted that sense of fulfillment, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you wanted to experience somebody who was fulfilled in a creative career, mm -hmm. but you know, you gotta, the, you gotta keep peeling away the onion, right? Like right. what's on, what's underneath that? It's probably not so simple as a creative career. You know, right. it's, it probably has more to do with security and fulfillment and, mm. and these other things. Um, mm. You know, and I think if you get, if you keep breaking that down and you get to a point where you're really honest with yourself and you find somebody who challenges you to compensate for sort of your, your tendencies, um, then that can be something that's really healthy, right? Because that promotes growth. So it's really about but if you're using that. somebody to sort of check a box of something you think you should be or you think right. you should have, that's where you get in trouble. Okay. So to basically don't look for the, the checked boxes, look for the growth opportunities. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, my All previous right. relationship, um, she's an actress. So I guess in a sense, I was aware of what happens. <laughs> At least. In my view, when I'm dating another creative, I guess I was looking for more stability. But again, as I said, that was that's not subconscious. I was looking for more somebody that was driven. Mm -hmm. But as I discovered, well, that person's driven, but in so many different directions. I want a person that's driven, but more stable, more grounded. And yeah, yeah. that's what I said. So, so Mike, you had mentioned before that... Um, you had a bit of anxiety about not earning as much as Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my question is, how did that not kill your relationship? Like having that anxiety, mm -hmm. how did that not prevent you? Like you, you don't really have a lot of, you, you've had a lot of success in relationships and like long-term relationships. So how does that, that like fear and anxiety not affect you that way? It, it was very hard. And it still sometimes is hard, but less so. Um, so to expand on that, um, I was raised in a very traditional uh, family. I am an immigrant from the old Soviet Union. Um, I came here when I was eight. So my first eight years were informed by Soviet dogma, uh, old school conservative values. Um, so I carry that. And I still carry it to this day that, you know, a man takes care of the woman. That is, uh, I, I guess, that, that is imprinted on my psyche. It's deep down, that's when I, that's, it's deep inside me. Mm -hmm. However, living, of course, in uh America and the United States, more specifically Los Angeles, you know, and having liberal education and having parents who are educated. Also, even back in Russia, they both have master's degrees. Um, I know that that is not the only way. And clearly, as an artist, I um, have the ability to uh, think and reason. And, and so there's the intellectual side of me that 
that understands that, well, that's just gender roles. Mm-hmm. And so that intellectual side wrestles with my emotional side, which is imprinted into, into all of us when we were really young kids. And in between those is the time, is the opportunity to pause and think and to grow. So if I were to say, if I were say to had left Stephanie uh, in the beginning uh, because I couldn't deal with it, I knew that that would have been the wrong move. It just seems so obvious to me. If you leave a relationship because you can't deal with some imprint that you have on you that is a gender role, like y'all regret it for the rest of my life. That just seems so stupid to do that. So what I chose to do instead was to make it a growth opportunity for myself. And I have decided I had decided earlier on in my life to pursue an artist's life. I, I did finish economics as a degree first. Um, I have a bachelor's in that. I worked in investment banking and I left that and I went back to school for film. This is where we met. You know mm-hmm. this. Um, and so that was an active decision that I made. And sure, you know, that could change, but I've, I've, you know, <laughs> thought about that many times, you know, and I've talked about it in therapy. I've tried to reason out like, why is it cause, like, because there's a, there's a, there is a part of me where that believes that money is important. And I think that's, that's the immigrant part of me. That's the part mm-hmm. where, you know, we came here, we had nothing. We were literally in negative. We were in debt. The only things that we had were our families, just our family, nothing else. And my dad always struggled for money in the beginning. And, and, he also imprinted this belief into me that like, Hey, you know, working for other people, like you got to make your own way. Like Mm -hmm. this is America. And that stuck with me, I think stronger than the money. So while there is a pull to like that, I need to make more money. I want to be the provider. There's also this big part of me. That's like, I think that's my anxious voice. And the more I leaned into it, the more I I thought about it, the more I, 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 I sat with it, the more I discovered like, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I don't have a lot of rich friends. If money was really important to me, I probably would have moved in that direction. But I value humanism. I value integrity, honesty, loyalty, time, quality time. Those are my values. So actually, let, me, let me pause with that and, and say that, is that a good way to kind of gauge the kind of relationships that you want to have is looking at the friends you keep? Like the qualities that you have in your friends, are those the kind of things you should be looking for in, in a partner? Yeah, probably. Not a bad idea because Mike yeah. and I started out as friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and Stephanie, I also wanted to get your take on that same idea. So you, you make more money than Mike. Was that, did that go against your expectation for <laughs> what you thought a husband was going to be? It's funny. I talked earlier about sort of this expectation I had of, mm-hmm. of you know, what a mate would look like for me. Yeah. I never had any idea attached to it around money. Mm. So, um, you know, it's funny. It's funny to me that Mike says that it's, you know, because he's an immigrant, he was more attached to this idea of, of needing to make more money and 
certainly I can't speak to the immigrant experience, but it's also a very American idea that, you know, money drives power and that that mm -hmm. creates some kind of power dynamic and that, and that we've decided that the power dynamic has to, has to lie with the man. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly, you know, my parents divorced when I was in high school, but even before that, you know, my, my mom was, a, you know, went to school for science and has been independent from the beginning. You know, I went to an all girls high school where there was, you know, we fielded an all female mock trial team. We fielded an all female academic decathlon team, an all female science bowl team. You know, there was, there was none of this notion that, um, how should I say this? There was, I, I never, I never had this expectation that you needed a a man that to be able to earn money hmm. and you know and it goes so far back my mom my my mom used to tell me from the time i was little i remember that my great grandmother worked for lockheed martin on the design for the stealth bomber wow and i remember being a kid and and latching onto that idea. And I only learned recently, like in the last five years, that my great grandmother was a secretary there. <laughs> my entire childhood, I thought that she designed the stealth bomber. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of informs, it, it shows you sort of the, the, the idea that I had going into it, right? Which yeah. is this idea. And, you know, I don't want to single out my mom either, because my, my dad is also kind of fiercely independent. And so, I never had this idea of, of sort of financial dynamics in relationships. That was never, that was never something that, um, that I considered. And so all I knew is that I could take care of myself. Mm -hmm. I could take care of another person, but I, that wasn't what I was looking for in a relationship. You know, I was looking for somebody who, was was kind and challenging and intelligent and was going to push me towards growth and was going to you know create the right environment for a family and um i guess i i wasn't thinking that much about money which maybe was different so so it sounds like and you can let me know if i got this right or wrong it sounds like you did have an idea of what you wanted and mike actually did fit that bill but not in the way you thought it would like it didn't, the, the, your picture of what that perfect person was didn't add up to Michael, but all the thoughts of what that perfect person, like the attributes added up in terms of their mental state and, and, and uh, their, their uh, abilities to be a good person. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think, look, I mean, I was young too, right? Mm -hmm. When we met. And so the idea of kind of who was your ideal mate and then who did you end up pairing up with? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that I, that I compromised or did anything in that regard. I think it was just this idea that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like the whole Ken and Barbie thing. And you think mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, you, you have this image in your head and you've got to kind of reconcile that to, to the people in the actual world, but the reason that you do it is for the is for what you were mentioning, right? Mm -hmm. You do you do it because this person checks the boxes of the things that are actually important to you, and not just these sort of visions you created. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to that wisdom again of knowing what truly that is that you really do want. Sure, and I don't know that it's I don't know that you have to know it either. You know, you you can feel it to some extent too. 
So, you know, yeah, what I was say saying before, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. It was it, everything about our relationship for the first, um, you know, couple years was just inspiring and reaffirming and challenging, but not, you know, challenging in a good way, right? Challenging in a way that it was forcing you to, to sort of move to a place that you've wanted to be. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, right. I want to, I want to add to that. Yeah. That, um, so I come from a family that is, you know, we're, we're we have fiery Russian blood. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie comes from a family that, um, you know, withholds a lot of emotion and, you know, my, like I, it, I was, trying to kind of move into that direction, not because uh, I, I I wanted to learn how to be more um, cerebral in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so that, I guess that attracted me. And also um, because Stephanie is, I felt, and I still feel she's very self-reliant mm-hmm. and there is a big, uh, I was so attracted to that because a part of me uh, is, is, is not, I got, I received a lot of uh, affirmation um, I, from outside of myself and I didn't like that about myself. So mm-hmm. I felt that I could, I could, I could learn from her in, in mm-hmm. a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- there was definitely, you know, a, a lot of kind of, yeah, especially in the first few years, a lot of, a lot of uh, learning uh, back and forth. Right. We're talking so, about early years though, and we're talking about we're talking about this like it's two puzzle pieces that fit together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you've got to kind of figure out what you want and what your priorities are and what your values are, and then you find somebody that kind of fits with you. But this I, I want to be clear that this is a continuous journey. You know, even mm-hmm. even today, earlier yes. today at lunch, Mike and I were having a conversation, you know, about something in our lives where I had assumed something, he that's not actually how he feels about it. And yep. he was like, no, 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 I feel this way. And I was like, oh, well, then I'm not going to worry as much about it. So this, it, it's not, you know, we talk about early ages of the early stages of dating and the idea of kind of trying to find a good fit, but it's constant. You have to constantly work for that fit, hmm. right? It's, it's a commitment to, to continue to try to put this puzzle together, right? And to just acknowledge and recognize for each other that you're going to keep working on this puzzle, right? You're not going to abandon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you so balance all these things you're talking about? They don't go away. That's just what I want to be clear about. Yeah, so, but how know, do... people who are dating and they're looking for kind of a check, 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 and we're done. That never mm-hmm. happens. Right. How, how do you have the wisdom to know that you're, you're fitting the puzzle pieces of a good marriage or forcing a bad marriage or even a relationship for that matter? I think it comes down to it's on a feeling level and I, I, I'm working backwards here mm-hmm. because um, it feels natural to me. Like just relationships feel natural to me. I'm mm-hmm. serial monogamist. Um, and so when I say I'm working backwards, it's like, like I learned skiing at an early age. Trying to teach Stephanie skiing was, was a, a disaster. disaster because I don't know. Like I have to think like, well, what do I, do I do bent down? What do I, what do you do? Remember the time you tried to teach both me and Rob tennis? It's a disaster. 
Okay. <laughs> well, it's not on you. It's just, I'm not, you, it's hard to teach things that you understand naturally, but okay. So if relationships, I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm very, like it comes naturally to me. Um, and now when I, when I think about, for example, the business of screenwriting and where I have trouble, here's the difference. When I, when a script doesn't work, when it doesn't get the attention that it, I feel that it deserves or that, that I need, or it's on, it's on some level, it, it quote unquote fails mm-hmm. a script. I am devastated. I'm devastated. I feel like it's the end of the world and I have to take a couple days, a few days, I don't know, a week to pick myself back up and keep going. When I fail at a relationship, when I'm wrong, when I, sorry, not a relationship, when I fail at an aspect of my relationship, when I say something wrong, when I do something wrong, that failure, it doesn't feel like the end of the world. I still feel I'll be okay. And so I think that I have in some way, I feel like the safe space in relationships where I feel that I'm okay making mistakes. Not big, like, not like I'm going to go cheat on Stephanie and be like, well, that was a fuck up. I'm still good. Right. (laughs) No, not like that. I'm talking about even just saying the wrong things, making her cry. I know how to get back into it. There's Mm. a feeling that there's, there's a safe space and I don't feel the same way in writing. So the reason why I bring those two, uh, two things up is because Perhaps if you're having, and this is universal, you, if people are having trouble in relationships, if they're serial daters, if it's not working, perhaps you don't feel safe in a relationship and you should explore why. Why do you feel that you can't say these things? Why do you feel that you have to play by certain rules? Because in screenwriting in my career, I I, I feel like I have to play by certain rules. It doesn't feel. Oh, like- you're like a dating person in that. You're exactly. like, I emailed this producer three days ago. When do you think <laughs> I can follow up? And I'm like, hell, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> right. So tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm making this analogy to try to make it clear that I'm, I feel natural in one thing. I don't feel another natural in another thing. And I feel like if you're not feeling natural in, in, in relationships, if it's not working, if you're asking all these questions, I think the main question to ask is, why aren't you feeling safe? What, here's a question. What are you telling yourself? What do you believe? What are you I think, I think that's 100% the right question is, what are you telling yourself and what do you believe? So- That's great. You know, I think Mike, I think Mike believes that he is married for life. I think he believes that he's a good husband. I think he believes that he's a good person. And so he doesn't question those things. Yeah. But I think he do you? struggles. Do you? <laughs> just, quite, just want to know. That is a terrible question, <laughs> friend, Rob. <laughs> she did not answer. She did not answer the question. But, you know, I think he wonders. You still didn't answer. What the heck? (laughs) You guys are taking me. I was making a good analogy. You're taking me off track. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't think he questions those things, but I think he questions whether, you know, he has the right script for what they're asking for right now. I think, you know, I think he hasn't seen the success that he maybe wanted as quick as he wanted in screenwriting. Mm -hmm. And so he's questioning it, right? Right. And I think, that's part of the challenge with 
dating, I imagine, again, Mm -hmm. because I'm putting myself into somebody else's shoes, but especially the longer you've been dating, is that you go into relationships and you're not going into it assuming that this next person that you meet is going to be the person that you spend the rest of your life with, right? Mm -hmm. Like I fell in love at 23. I didn't know any better, right? I feel like so many, the longer you go, the more you go into a relationship and you're looking to check the boxes of what got screwed up in your last 15 relationships, right? You're looking to find the reason to get out. And Mm -hmm. I don't think, I I don't know him. I don't, I don't hold him up, but I remember reading a quote um, that Will Smith said about relationships. And he said, if you believe in divorce, you will get divorced because at some point that woman will do something that will make you want to divorce her. Yep. (laughs) And so, you know, they asked him how he had kept a Hollywood relationship, you know, whatever that means, alive for so long. And he said, because in my mind, divorcing her was never a possibility. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that has, you know, it speaks to what Michael's saying, right? Is are you going into a relationship with breaking up being a possibility from the first date, right? And if that, if you're carrying that baggage, you're going to look for that out. And certainly yeah. that other person is going to come into that relationship just as vulnerable and they're going to give you that out. And if you take it every single time, then relationships will just fall apart. Here's a lesson that I learned a while ago um, at work, managing people, right? Is So we had a consultant come in who said that he was going to talk to the staff and he was going to get to the root of issues and he was going to drive improvements and you know Six Sigma, all the good stuff that they teach you in business school. And... So the way that he did that was he went person by person in the staff and he did these interviews and then he put all the staff together, which was when it got really bad. And he said, what are the biggest problems that you see with this company and what's standing in the way of management moving forward? Well, guess what happens when you phrase that question? People start thinking about what's wrong with things Mm. and they start creating a catalog of them, right? Hmm. And then when you put those people in a room all together and you say, hey guys, let's talk about what's wrong with this. Well, now everybody starts building on each other, right? And Mm -hmm. before we knew it, we weren't solving any problems. We were trying to solve a problem that we created. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right? That's an interesting way to look at that. Because if if you took a step back and you're like, let me think about all the things that are wrong with this, you will find all of the things that are wrong. And then if you bring in a bunch of people and you start talking about all the things that are wrong, then you start building upon that. And before you know it, you have a big problem that you now have to solve. I feel like you're insulting the name of this podcast. What? (laughs) Dating what went wrong. (laughs) 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 This is a direct attack. (laughs) See, the the siren, I don't know if you can hear the sirens, but they're they're coming to get you. They're coming for you. They're coming. But my point point is that, you know, if you... So, so now we, we have new management consultants that we work with and they go in and they start asking, you know, they, they start building the relationship by talking about what's going right and how you're being supported and what your strengths are. And it's only after we exploit your strengths and after we exploit the things that are going right, that we can start to say, okay, well, how could this maybe be even better, even better? And let's examine and start building that. So, so many it's people about go tweaking. into relationships thinking about what's wrong and what can go wrong and how this is going to implode and trying to protect against that rather than, you know, and then you're building a house of cards. And instead yeah. you have to sort of 
you know, you got to build this solid foundation. And once you have that established where you're not vulnerable anymore, you're not going to question things anymore. Now you can start addressing the things that are growth opportunities, which in management consulting is what you call problems. <laughs> that, that's it. I love how you, you, you turn dating into your job. Like you, you solved the dating question <laughs> by your job. It, it also makes me think that I should have gone with the other title of the show, which was swipe right with Rob. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> might have a different audience then. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! Um, no, but it, I think it's—I think that's still like a really great uh, takeaway from this whole thing. Um, I, I have—I have a few things that I wanted to to mention that I, uh, I I jotted down while you guys were telling these stories. That, so I think, and this this may go to you, Mike, for both screenwriting and relationships is it, it kind of goes back to the thing that we discussed in, in the, the previous episode of the podcast, which is this idea of realizing that you're not broken. And in relationships, you, you're not broken. You know that you're okay and that you're going to get through it, but there's a part of you that doesn't know that about writing, that's not fully confident that it's not you. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm, I'm wondering if that's the big distinction, is that like if you're going to this relation being like, Oh, is he, did he text back or she texts back or did, does this happen? Is this happening? Maybe the question is you have to ask yourself, you know, why do I need to know this? Like, it, do I, do I have uncertainty in my ability to be okay? 100%. Absolutely. I mean, in general, interacting with other people, if you just take a minute to, it sounds, it sounds so, um, I don't know. It, it, it sounds, I'm going to sound like a kindergarten teacher, but if you take a minute to just put yourself in that other person's shoes and imagine how they might be receiving it differently than you perceived it, mm -hmm. you, you know, that's worth a million dollars right there. Just the idea that you could for a second consider how you might be wrong in your presumptions about what's going on. Right. So is this person not responding because they don't like you and they thought that thing you said was weird and they're dating somebody else? Or is it possible that they are actually busy or that they're also, you know, they're worried the same things, that, the same worries you have, they have. Of course. Yeah. And, and I can say from personal experience in answer to your question, both have been true. There have been times when I didn't respond to a person because I was legit busy. And there have been other times when I <laughs> saw the message and I was like, eh, I, I could deal with this later. So, you know, it could, it could definitely go either way. And it's really about like, what are you okay with? Um, the other thing- well, Let me ask you a question that when you go into relationships, to the point we were talking about earlier, when you are going into relationships, do you think you're looking for the out? Do you think you're- do you think you're going in it, assuming it's going to fall apart and trying to see, you know, are, are you looking for the cracks, I guess? Or are you going in, when you go on a first date, every single time, do you think this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, potentially? I do both, um, sometimes at different, different points. I think one of the things that I do that is damaging to myself is I, I kind of walk in with this idea of, what's the moment that I'm going to disappoint her? Wow. What, is, what is that going to, what, what moment is that going to so be? So you is put it, it on yourself. You're not even asking anything of her. Well, I mean, it could also go the other way too, is, is that sometimes I, I think it kind of goes both ways. It's like, when are we going to disappoint each other? You know, yeah, and because if you feel like you're going to disappoint her, then you feel also that she's going to be disappointed and therefore mm. she's doing something to you. Yeah. 
it's it's all it's all bad. There's none of it. None of it is is good. But it, it always comes back to this idea of, you know, that it's hard not to feel broken. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to to bring up was another point that you had mentioned that you didn't remember how to teach how to ski because mm-hmm. it it come natural to you and and you were teaching Stephanie and you didn't even know how to do it and it was kind of frustrating. Um, but Stephanie, you are you and Mike go skiing all the time now. So you have, I'm guessing you've gotten better, right? Oh, it's even worse than you describe. It's, it's not even just that he didn't remember how to ski and therefore couldn't teach me how to ski. He told me my first day skiing that the best way to learn how to ski is to just do it and feel <laughs> the skis under your legs. Mm-hmm. And that if I thought I was going too fast, I should just bend my knees and sink down more and you'll naturally slow down. And so did I, did I also say that you should like turn your uh you you your back the back of your skis out in order to stop? Uh, did I no, that? no, no, no. We didn't cover any of that. Mm-hmm. We just said mm-hmm. we're gonna go up this lift and you're just gonna feel your skis under you. And mm-hmm. if you feel like you're going too fast, just sink down. Well, mm-hmm. here's a fun fact. If you've ever watched downhill skiing Mm. if you want to go really fast Mm. go into a pike position and Mm -hmm. just bend down as close to your skis as possible Mm -hmm. it just accelerates you down the mountain and so the very first time i skied i went up the lift i got off the lift i started going down it started going too fast i bent my knees lower and then i flew and it was the only time in my life that I've had this cartoon-like experience of like going into the side of this giant burr of snow, you know, losing all of my possessions in the yard. process. <laughs> a yard sale down the mountain. <laughs> I, yard, I yard sailed it. All of my, you know, my skis, my hat, everything goes flying off. Oh. And so um, the part that he failed to mention was that you bend down and you've got to lean on your edges. I had no idea what that even meant mm. at this point. Or, you know, like he said, you've got to change your positioning with respect to the mountain. But I think but, that, 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 I'm sorry. No, 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 there's no, there's no point to this story. Oh, there's no it was, point. Just, it was just right. a disaster and I... <laughs> uh, the, the, it was a disaster in communication. The, the, <laughs> but the point that I'm trying to make with this whole thing is, is that, that I eventually learned how to ski. Not just I got that. a ski instructor. You... <laughs> Did you... I did. It was not Mike. But, oh, but you learned how to ski even before that, though. But that's this is not even my point, you guys. <laughs> my, my point, like, I, I'm glad we went to the, the finer details of, of how Stephanie learned how to ski. But my point that I'm trying to make is that Stephanie had a willingness to learn. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. She had a willingness oh, to good. learn, and I had a willingness to step back and shut the F up sometimes. I'll tell you the flip side to it is that, yes, I had a willingness to learn because it was something that Mike enjoyed, right? And it was Mm -hmm. something that was important to him and it was something he had grown up doing and I wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. The flip side that I can only appreciate now that I'm a quasi-decent skier is that there, it is so hard to ski with a beginning skier when you are, when you already know how to ski. Right. It's a lot of just basically walking across what appears to be flat once you understand skiing mm-hmm. and waiting for people and psychologically convincing people. You know, they say that it's when you learn how to ski, you learn the actual technical elements of it fairly quickly, and the rest of it is purely psychological, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so, an so apropos, Mike was kind of right. That's an apropos analogy for dating, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you already know what to do, you are just getting in your own way. 
Wow. And so, um, so I guess one thing that I appreciate now that I've gotten past that was my God, how much time he spent just standing there encouraging me. So, I mean, wow. that's a huge, it's a huge thing to, to really know in relationships is that it's this balance between both patience as well as a willingness to learn. And, and I think that that, that kind of gets thrown out a lot of because times. Because he loves nothing more than skiing 60 miles an hour. And he skied like three with me for years. By the way, this is the first time I'm hearing of this new perspective that you have on my patience in skiing. This is fantastic. Oh, you don't have patience. We're not, we're not yeah, giving yeah, yeah, you yeah. that badge. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so going with this, um, you know, like I, I know for me, I run into to anxiety about making choices. And, you know, when you decide in a marriage, how do you know when you're with the right person? Versus uh, like, basically, how do you balance finding that the one, knowing that that person's the one and just take a risk of never making a decision at all? It's like improv. You know how... In improv, there's no, nobody says no. It's just mm -hmm. a yes, mm -hmm. yes. Well, marriage is, is like that in a just sense. Just keep saying yes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's yes. Well, I mean, you obviously have to say no sometimes, but the no doesn't mean no to you personally. Mm -hmm. the other, it, it's, 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 a, it's always a learning. It's always a moving forward. It's always a learning. It's always an acceptance. It's just an acceptance. It's an acceptance of who you are uh, of, of who the other person is. And it's just, okay. Okay. I see. Well, how about this? Well, how about that? Well, not this. Okay. Then maybe that. Well, I think this fits this? in. This fits into the other elements is if both people don't see themselves as broken, they both see this as complete individuals and they both have a willingness to learn and be patient. Then what you're experiencing is a series of, yeah, let's, let's try that. Let's do that. Let's do that. And I mean, marriage is a daily choice to continue to do this together. That's a great little soundbite for that. Yeah. Um, uh, also, but, and, and not just marriage, by the way, relationships too. It's just, yeah. it's just a marriage daily a choice. Yeah, marriage is just a really long relationship. But it's just, but every relationship is just a daily choice that you're going to try to make this work together, and you're not going to choose the option that you know takes you into the burr. Well, by the way, when you say that. I, to me, I don't wake up every day going, okay, well today I'm going to choose choosing to, marriage. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's, it's not no. that it's just, no, 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 it's, no. it's, it's just an ongoing, I guess it's, it's something that you just, that you have just decided for yourself before. And by the way, when you say it's two people that aren't broken, they're everyone's broken. Everybody's broken. Everyone's broken. <laughs> There's, but and, and does she complete me, quote unquote, to an extent? I guess, yeah. But it's sure. not in a Jerry Maguire way. But it's not in a Jerry Maguire way, and it's not in a way that's uh, like if she, if we were to split, I would be heartbroken. It would be so horrible. But I know that at the end of the day, I'll be okay. Like life's not over, and I think she feels the you feel the same way, right? I'm assuming. Sure. I mean, keep going, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, no. But I mean, like, 
I don't, I'm not grasping onto her, like just holding up on my fingernails, like, please don't leave me. You know, there, there's none of that. It's just an easy acceptance. It, it, or, and sometimes I guess it's not easy, of course, but, but it's just. And that's what I was going to say. You're talking about like lack of desperation, but I think what it comes down to for me is, you know, when you're in a fight or you're in a frustrating part or you're having a bad day and you can build these stories to yourself, you know, Mike was telling you before, like, is this just, is this, you know, there's, you have to take a step back and say, is this real or is this just a story that I'm telling myself? And if it is a story I'm telling myself, why am I telling it to myself? And so I think we get in patterns where we want to be right. We want to put it to the other person. And that doesn't go away. You know, even in a marriage, there are times where you're like, oh yeah, like, and then, you know, if I leave, I'll really show him, right? Like, mm -hmm. but what, what is that? That's nothing. Right. That's I mean, nothing. If you, At the if end you of the day. That, that's, that's, how are you not going to regret that? At the right, and I think most people who do act on it, I, I, you know, I can't, I haven't walked their shoes, so I can't speak to their story. But I think most people who do act on it are looking to provoke a reaction out of the other person, which is the worst reason for doing something. Okay, that's great. Um, I wanted to also touch on something we had talked about earlier, which was um, how you guys, you know, have a, a unique dynamic uh, in terms of your gender roles that are not, they're uh -oh. not traditional. And and I, I wanted to to touch I on am something. The little spoon. You're. <laughs> that was it. That was my whole question. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, He's not, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think just, there's plenty of value in being a little spoon. By the way, yeah, I like. I want to be the little spoon sometimes. Little spoon's great. So, let's talk about that. Um, I think. It, I think he's trying to incept me right now. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> the, the the point that I'm trying to get to is I know one of the things that that Mike has once mentioned to me is that his parents believe in relationship roles, not gender roles. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. If like, do you guys believe in that? Are you guys more traditional like in other areas or? or what? I, I don't quite remember that. So can you define that difference? So it, it's the, the idea of like, it's not the man's job to, to like, you know, bring in the most money or it's not the woman's job to, this to is, cook. This is actually something I think about often because, um, you know, I think Mike's, I think, you know, Mike talks a lot about coming from a culture that has very clearly defined gender roles. Mm -hmm. And as an outsider, I don't always see it in his parents, mm -hmm. which maybe speaks volumes, but it's always interesting to me that he sees his culture as having these gender roles that I don't necessarily observe in his immediate family. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean, his mom will tell you every single day about his dad's role as a father and mm -hmm. being a caretaker and all the things that he sort of went out of his way to teach the kids and to try to be there and, you know, just how seriously he took that role, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he, he'll help in the kitchen. He does all of these other things. And conversely, you know, Mike talked earlier about coming to this country and struggling financially. And his dad did not go out there and say, okay, well, I'm the only one. I got it. This is my problem. I'm the mm -hmm. money man. I've got to fix this. You know, mm -hmm. his dad will tell stories about 
dragging his mom to computer programming classes and forcing her to study standing up at night so that she couldn't fall asleep because otherwise she would just fall asleep because she had two young kids. So Mm -hmm. he would force her to recite back to him, you know, computer code while standing in the living room so that she would stay, you know, awake during the entire time. And so it was very much a partnership, right? Mm. It was neither, you know, it was a partnership around child rearing. It was a partnership around bringing in the money and, Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's what you're speaking to in terms of it wasn't these gender roles of like the man is in charge of the money and the woman is in charge of the children. It was very much this socialist (laughs) idea (laughs) of, you know, let's figure out what we're each able to contribute and let's do our best to contribute that every day. I think that's a great distinction. Um, You disagree, Michael? I'm not, I'm characterizing your family on your behalf. No, I don't disagree. Although I think. I mean, so blanket statement, yes to all that. Um, to add, I do think my dad does cook, but I, I think that's more on the weekends and more for like entertaining guests, like parties. Like on the weekdays, my mom is the one that prepares like the dinners. Um, but my dad, he does clean up. I think there's he does he washes dishes or. Does so, so there's there's definitely it's split there's definitely a split up aspect to it. Um yeah, I guess they do have relationship roles in that sense. Um yeah. Great. I, I want to move on to more uh communication style. Um so some of I'm just curious to get your reaction to, to some of these things. So like dating gurus and dating experts, they talk about this idea that um, men can get tested by women, um, but men don't know what the test is. But if they fail, they can lose the relationship. And I've actually seen this in action where a, f- a friend of mine wanted to dump a guy because he didn't understand what she wanted. And this confused me because she had never really told him what she wanted. Does she give him that opportunity to free him from the clutches of that ridiculous idea. So you don't agree that that's the way forward is basically what I'm trying to say. That's ridiculous. That sounds very sexist to me personally. The idea that like women test men and men Mm -hmm. don't know the test and it's some stacked system. That's something that I've heard many times is that, that this happens. I don't think that's good. I feel like, I feel that's just, (laughs) I feel that's just somebody that's that is broken, I guess, in a sense, I don't know. What's the word that I'm looking for? I guess I feel like that's somebody that's using bad relationship techniques. It's not necessarily a woman because a man can test a woman too. Absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, we, Stephanie and I both know a man, uh, an older man who tests women. Um, and we've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. You've seen it. And by the way, that relationship failed. And it, it just, you know, when you're watching it in action, you're like, don't you, don't you, why not just communicate? If you can't communicate, what's the point? I mean, that's the only way you'll stay together. That's the only way because everything else is just a fight. It's just, and by the way, I think the best way for me to actually look at it and the way that I do look at it is just hard. Why are you just make? Why are you making it hard? Just making it easy. Just tell the person what you want, and if they don't want the same thing and it's a big deal, well, then you're not a, don't be in a relationship. 
find yeah. a person that works. And if that, if it takes you a while, if it takes you years, I mean, at least you'll find a person that works. It's just, it will happen because there's no, there's no the one that's stupid. And we've talked to you about this before, Rob, right? Where, you know, does one of us overreact to something or create some kind of controversy because what you ultimately want is attention, mm-hmm. you know, and at some point you just learn to tell the other person, like, I'm having a hard day. I need a hug instead mm-hmm. of having a meltdown and hoping that they're going to rescue you. I had and to learn that. I had to learn that. And by the way, not that I took, I don't, I'm not sure I took it out on you. I took it out on myself with anxiety and all that, but in a way that affected you um, in a big way. Um, and so I had to learn to ask for attention because a big part of me thought that asking for a hug, like literally is um, me nagging me complaining, mm. me talking about my emotions is complaining. And this is or there's a fear that you don't deserve that, right? That I don't deserve it. That well, because also, but you are in a in, in, in that sense different from my mom. Like my mom, um, she would be very vocal uh like if there's the five languages of love, you know, I learned like the affirmations like i want to hear how special i am you know i want to i want to hear that so i came yes in the beginning of the relationship i had difficulty because i was like well you don't express that as much and then i am oh now we're getting into love languages yeah Yeah. (laughs) mike's Mike's love language is verbal affirmation yes exactly i grew up in a household where it what you say doesn't matter it's what you do that matters right right actions speak louder than words it's a very christian thing but Mm -hmm. You know, and so for Mike, that was really hard. And for me, that was hard because he was like, I just need you to tell me. And I was like, but telling you feels shallow. Look at what I'm doing for you. Yeah, right. And so I had to learn uh, to ask for it because it's not shallow what she's doing. uh, And it's not shallow what I'm asking for. Mm -hmm. And so if I communicate my importance to her then i'll get it and if it's she doesn't think that it's important well that's kind of a moot point because i wouldn't be with a person that doesn't think that what i need is important i think it goes back to to what we were saying is that like this 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 willingness to learn and that you you aren't like a broken person like okay maybe people are all a little broken but like you don't not you you deserve you know what you want and the other person has a willingness to learn. Yeah. Um, I've also heard of women getting advice that they shouldn't ask at a man or make the first move because it'll come off as desperate to a man. Do you guys agree or disagree with something like that? Like, would, I guess my question is to Mike, would you have been put off by Stephanie if she had made the first move? No, not at all. In fact, and this is something personal, um, I don't mind her making the first move in the bedroom. Not, not that I don't mind. I'd like, sometimes I want that. Absolutely. Okay. It's good to know. Um, <laughs> for you? <laughs> for who? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, these are all just, those are, that's just a different version of a gender stereotype. Right? Yeah. The idea, yeah. you know, the idea that it's sort of this damsel in distress idea. And that doesn't, if that works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, great. 
you know, these are just, these are just ideas and, and stories that we've been told by other people. You know, what are the stories that you're telling yourself? It's the stories that you're telling yourself based on the relationships you've seen around you. It's the stories you're telling yourself based on the relationships you've seen in media. Mm-hmm. And none of those are real. So you kind of have to parse out what's actually important to you from all of these things that you've seen and that have imprinted themselves upon you. Hmm. So when you guys were first dating, and we we talked a little bit about this in in the beginning, uh, was there a specific communication style, like uh, text? uh, Did you guys share funny jokes, comments, things like that? Well, Rob, you have to understand that for us to text each other, you'd have to press the button three times to get the letter you wanted. (laughs) This was a while ago. (laughs) <laughs> like I think I had a razor phone. Mm. So Yeah, so I definitely I don't know that yeah. we can speak to this question with a lot of validity, but Well, I mean, I don't I, I think obviously communication style has changed over the years, but I think you and I talked on the phone a lot. And I think I actually remember I remember you coming down to Orange County to Irvine from the valley woodland hills which is on a good night and without traffic an hour and 15 minutes each way and you would stay there till like 1 a.m and then drive home and go to wake up at you know 6 37 a.m and go to work because i was 23 you were 23 you had a lot of energy <laughs> but at the same time i don't think that's that the was, point i think that, the point that our, is that that's it shows that she had, she put effort in. She yeah. cared about it. Yeah. I think that's the takeaway. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I, yeah, and then I, I, I moved up. I moved up from Orange County to LA. And uh, I thought you meant by starting the relationship, you moved up. Oh, I moved up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you leveled no, up. Uh, we 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 communicated uh, by phone mostly. I think there were some emails back and forth, mm-hmm. um, just like funny things. Right. But it was mostly phone calls. So then now, um, do you guys have a different communication style? Do you do you share jokes, memes, like funny happenings that are ha- that things that happen? Do you do you guys reach Absolutely. out when? Yeah, we've talked time. about this before, Rob. But my, Mike is hands down my favorite person to tell anything to. Woo-hoo. That's that's actually really huge, and that was that was one of my big questions: is that are you each other's go to? For like, oh my God, this is an amazing thing. You got to know about it. So here's the thing early on yeah. in the relationship that I learned is I started TiVoing my favorite television shows so that I could watch them with Mike. Because mm-hmm. watching them with him was a greater experience than watching them alone. And I would forego the satisfaction that comes with watching it when it aired. For all you young people here, you used to have to watch, te- you know, television became available mm-hmm. and you'd watch mm-hmm. it when it aired. Mm-hmm. And so I would delay that satisfaction yeah. So that I could experience it with Mike. And you okay. still do that. And that's, I still do that to this day. And it's funny because I'm, you know, it, so at, at my office in my immediate team, we kind of have this tradition where every quarter we have to do a bunch of financial reporting that nobody wants to hear about, but um, it's a lot of work. And at the end of it, we'll do something to celebrate. And a lot of times we'll go see a movie, you know, we'll just kind of cut the day short at like 3 PM and we'll go see a movie Um, and grab drinks together or something. And it's sort of this team bonding thing. And the constant exercise is of all the married people, what movie you're allowed to see based on what you haven't already promised (laughs) the other person you would wait to see with them. (laughs) Yeah. 
And it's this, it's this like round robin of like, okay, can you see this? No, no, no. I promised her I would watch that with her. Oh no. I promised him that I would see that with him next weekend. And, and so much of it is just about that, right? It's just about signing up to share the experience. I think that's a huge, huge thing. So I, I, in my experience talking to, um, I mean, having, I mean, dated a lot of people and talked to a lot of people, um, they talk about things like check-in texts, like, you know, like every night before we go to bed, we always like check in or like, I just want to know that they're thinking about me. And what I'm kind of hearing from you guys is it's not an appointment is that it's, it's, it's almost the, like it, it, it's not about the, it's not about the frequency. It's that this idea that when something great happens, you want to share it with that other person. Yes. But, and, and in going even further with that, the, the frequency will come by the amount of fun things that are happening. So if, if you're hearing from a person once a week, then it either means they lead a very boring life or you're not their go-to, that they are sharing these fun experiences with, with someone else. With somebody else, yes. Yes. Um, well, uh, actually, that you bring up an interesting point. Um, so, we, I mean, we, Steph and I have been living together for 10 years now. Uh, but for the first three year, years of our relationship, we weren't. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though we lived near each other, because eventually we moved to Woodland Hills and we were just mm-hmm. down the street, um, we would see each other in the days, uh, pretty much every day. And the days that we didn't, we would talk on the phone. And uh, a couple of years ago, um, when my first movie got made, I had to travel to another state and we kind of experienced uh, being apart for three weeks, which is the longest we've ever been apart, uh, since, you know, we started going out. Um, and that was a long time for us. Um, and we talked every day. So I guess in that sense, there was an appointment, but there was also kind of like an understanding of it's like, um, you know, at, at, at night, you know, like before dinner or after dinner, we would, uh, before bed, I think it was before bed, we, we talked. So that was, uh, a re-experience, you know, uh, bringing back to kind of like the old days of like, uh, you know, I guess checking in, but it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't a, like a check-in to make sure that the other person's, you know, being faithful or whatever it was. It was more just like a, Hey, guess what happened today? And also we stayed in touch throughout the day with texts and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like you were excited to do so. You know, yeah. that's, the, that's yeah. the difference. And I think one of the challenges the, is that the longer you stay on the dating scene, the more you sort of enrich these relationships that you have with other people in your life, right? Your friends, you know, uh, people other than your significant other. And so then it starts becoming this sort of choice that you have to make where when these exciting things happen for you, you know, who is the first person that you're going to share it with? And to some extent, you know, if, if you've gone far enough down the path of life and you don't have a significant other, it might be, you know, you, you know, you have these close friends and you have these other people in your life. And I think it's hard to make space for that romantic relationship to sort of come out ahead. And that's maybe an advantage that we had from starting dating so young is that, you know, I, I can show you right now in, 
in my phone, I have one favorite and it's like, you know, how you can favor your numbers on the iPhone. I have, I have one favorite and it's Michael. Like oh, it's sad, was, it's sad, but it's the me. truth. Like it's the only, <laughs> you thought it was going to be. Reveal. Would have been great for your podcast. Would have been great. Would have been but yeah, I wonder, I, but I wonder sometimes Rob, right? Like if you start, if you start dating somebody and you're two weeks in with them and something crazy happens, you might be more inclined to call Mike because you guys have been friends for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. He's taken. So I guess that. Yeah. <laughs> so for single people that you've seen and heard from, do you see a trend? Are you talking about you, Rob? <laughs> yes. Are we yes, talking, talking about you right now? Yeah, we're okay. talking about, yeah, we're talking about me. <laughs> I meant it more broad, but I think I, I uh, but I think I am the one you interact with the most that is single. So, so yes. What is a trend that I'm doing wrong? How about that? The trend that I see is that people are uh, asking the wrong question. People are concerned with minutia about certain rules and gender roles. And I think they're not asking themselves the right question, which is how do I want to feel about this? Well, what are you looking for in a relationship? And it's usually for us, for, all, for everyone's, to feel safe and comforted, to be supported by the other person. Well, how do you get there? What do you have to do for yourself in any given time to feel safe? Do you give compassion to yourself? Do you ask yourself, do you give love to yourself? I mean, honestly, like, you know, we're, all, we're smiling right now when I say that, but, but it's true. You want that from other people. Do you give that to yourself? And then if you don't give that to yourself, well, how can you give it to another person? I'm not saying you have to completely fix yourself before you get. You're talking into about a loving yourself to love someone else. Yeah, that's that part if, of that. Go, if you're if you're basically saying what's wrong with me, like what Stephanie was saying, you're not going to be able to solve the actual problem. You're just creating the problem. Well, more specifically, what's wrong with me in in under the umbrella of relationships? Sure, because everyone feels that there's something wrong with them in a certain aspect. What's yes. wrong with me in, in yes. my career? Well, not even is, what's wrong with me. What I was saying is that most people go into problem, and most people go into relationships saying, "What's wrong with them?" Yeah, that's a good point too. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they're they're going into it with this litmus test of trying to to see, you know, what's wrong with this person? Why are they still single? Why do they like me? Why do they do this? Why do they do that? Why, mm -hmm. you know, why? We've had these conversations, Rob, you know, if you want to get into, into minutia, you know, and, and, and sort of the outsider's version of Rob's relationships, you have a uncanny ability to deal with details. <laughs> An impressive, yeah. impressive ability to deal with details. You are the and Seinfeld so, episode of details. Yeah, Mike and I joke <laughs> that you were the George Costanza of relationships where you're like, well, what's wrong with her? And it's like, oh, well, her pinky finger is longer than her ring finger. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually that not is, bothered by that. That's, that's, that's <laughs> one thing that I'm not bothered by. That is a relationship ender. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then how about, how about this? Uh, if you can go back in time, is there any advice that you would give yourself when you were dating that you've learned in marriage that you think it would help you? I guess, I don't know. That's hard because I, I'm where I am because of the things that I went through. Um, I think for me personally, it's, it's sort of trusting your, 
your instincts and trusting your feelings about whether something is moving in a place that promotes happiness and positivity and comfort and all of those things. Because I think one of the things that I've always struggled with is that I'm an I, I'm a very analytical person, and you know we talked earlier about finance being sort of a very laddered career. And I think I'm very good at taking a set of steps and executing on them. And one of the challenges with relationships is that you, there's no instructions, right? There's no, if this, then this kind of pattern that you can follow. Um, and I think it was really hard for me to define sort of those boundaries of, you know, when you become boyfriend and girlfriend, when you get engaged, when you get married, you know, setting up kind of all of these look before you leap kind of things. And I think Mike has sort of built a comfort zone for me to allow me to be able to do those things. And he's pushed me to be able to do those things. And so I think the thing that I would tell myself looking back is just to trust that more. Um, that I don't need, I don't need to check the boxes. I don't need a set of rules to tell me that this is the thing that's right. That, you know, the, I am already feeling it, right. It's already there. I think Um, that the takeaway from that, I kind of picked up from what you were saying was, um, it's, it's stasis versus growth is that, that you are trying to make sure that this relationship, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's an established relationship or even a marriage, you want to make sure that you're always pushing toward a direction. Yes. And, and I if, know, I know of myself, I'm much more comfortable with stasis. Yeah. And I think that if, if you're just always staying at stasis, that, that, that there is, uh, that, that, that can be challenging. That could be, you know, not as, not as good. Right. And I think you have to, and it's also framing, you know, the story you tell yourself, right? It's the, it's going back to the idea of does, you know, does change mean that I'm abandoning all of these things that I thought I knew and it's this great chaotic situation, um, you know, or is it, is there a positive spin on this that I'm, that I'm not focusing on? Yeah. All right. So I would like to kind of get into the like closing thoughts, like the kind of takeaways that, that I kind of got from you guys is that, that we have to be okay with who we are. That, that, that maybe, as Mike was saying, maybe we do have broken elements. Maybe we're not perfect, but we have to be okay. That, like, that we're fine and that we're going to be fine and that we need to be with a person that is, is, is also the same and that says yes to our growth and that has a willingness to learn and grow with us that doesn't get tripped up by things that uh that are superficial that 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 go away from from that growth well i'll take it one step further to say it's not just you have to be okay with who you are i think you have to be okay with who you are in relationships Mm. too which is a challenge right Mm -hmm. so live in the distinct possibility rob that you are the perfect boyfriend for somebody Mm -hmm. and you are you're 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 a great catch. Oh, it's very nice. So live in that possibility. You know, I <laughs> had stop a... stop telling your you know because I I think we can get into these sort of selfish things of like I am strong and I know who I am and therefore somebody should meet me where I am. But it's it's also about meeting them where they are too. So it's mm-hmm. about being confident in who you are in a relationship and your ability to bend and your ability to grow. Mm-hmm. 
And mm -hmm. you have all those characteristics, Rob. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, um, uh, I really appreciate I also, that. I also believe that. <laughs> oh, did that sound insincere? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what would be, so what would be your, your takeaway or advice, Michael? I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's honestly, it's just, it's finding somebody that you can grow together with, uh, that is open to that. And that is, that is just somebody who's willing to, you know, roll with the punches with you. Um, honestly, if you, if you find some, if you are on a date and just say like you drop all your, your, uh, questions and inhibitions about like this and that, when to do this, when to do that. And you just give yourself wholly to that person. If that person rejects you, that's not the right person. Mm -hmm. And I know it's very hard to just give yourself wholly because you are putting yourself on the line. It is so raw. But the more you're able to do that, the more you'll be able to just cut through the bull crap and find somebody who will respond to it. Because at the end of the day, that is the only way you'll grow. I, I, I'm, what I'm hearing from this is, is, is two things. Is, Cause like my first reaction to what you were saying, which is like, you know, basically wear your heart in your sleeve was, oh, no. I can't, I can't yeah. do that on like a, a thousand different dates. But what you're essentially saying is if I did that, I wouldn't have to go on a thousand different dates because I would be able to see quicker that like, Oh wait, that's not going to be productive. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a bad idea. I and mean, then I'd be how? able to call that out. Well, I think you have to look yeah. at the stories you're telling yourself, right? That's been our, that's been the theme of this episode, yeah. but you know, thanks is screenwriter. Every mm -hmm. time <laughs> thanks therapy, right? <laughs> <laughs> is that, you know, every time when, when you have that misgiving, take that pause and ask yourself, is there a version of this that's just a story I'm telling myself? And what would that look like? You know, mm -hmm. and basically what you're asking is what happens if I give that person the benefit of the doubt? Mm -hmm. And I think that can go a long way in relationships. Cause I think most, for the most part, people genuinely want to connect to each other. They genuinely want to care for each other. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just sort of the fear of the opposite that gets in the way of that. Yeah. But I think the other part of it is to define the things that you are unwilling to compromise on. Mm. And you were alluding to that earlier, Rob, but the idea being that, you know, what are the things that are most important to you? And, and those aren't always the most obvious. And so we talked earlier that by looking, especially if, if you are older and you've been on the dating scene for a while, you know, look to your friends, look to the people that you hold close to you and see the values that, that those people espouse. Those are probably the things that you value. So Mike said, you know, he thought that maybe he valued money. And then he looked at the people that he spent his time with and that wasn't the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So then he said, okay, well, if it's not what I thought it was, what is it really? Um, mm. I think that's an interesting exercise, right? Because if, if you're trying to figure out what you value in yourself, I think that's a really hard thing to do on the surface. But if you start looking at the things you value in other people, you're probably going to get around to the things you value in yourself. Yes. And that's ultimately what you're going to value in another mate. Yes. Or a, mm -hmm. when your friend is having a hard time, what would you tell your friend? 
Yes. Because yes, that, that is, is what you advice. need to what you that is what you need to hear as well. That's great. You guys, this has been this has been really wonderful. Stephanie and Mike, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having us. This was great. Thanks, Rob. All right. Well good um, luck with good luck with your dating future. <laughs> I will need that. Thank you. All right. Well, um, have a great <laughs> well, night. Well, that was definitely a long one. You know, when I started this podcast, I thought a good length was 45 minutes. But what does that even mean? Does that mean if it's longer, it's a bad podcast? The point is, I liked this episode, and I was fine with the length. It wasn't what I wanted or intended, but it worked. And that got me thinking more about how I've been dating. Walking into dates with this expectation of what a good date is supposed to be, instead of just enjoying the date that I'm on. It's a tough balance between meeting your values and setting unrealistic expectations. And I by no means have the answers here. So I'm going to keep going. If that sounds interesting to you, join me as we dive deeper into dating what went wrong. Or maybe swipe right with Rob. I'm still not sure if I shouldn't change the title. Who knows? Either way, good night.